0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh, and it's just me today. Uh, In 2021, we're going to try mixing up the podcast a little bit here and there. Um, As topics come up that interest us, uh, we might break off into smaller groups. Uh, Andy, for example, might uh, lead the charge with some hockey news, uh, with some people who are more interested in the sport than I am. Uh, Today's going to be the first one of these episodes. Uh, It's going to be just me to start, uh, and I'm going to talk briefly about a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, uh, collectible card games. Uh, I'll have a little short spiel about that. Um, I don't expect uh, very many of you to listen to this episode, but it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, And then after my uh, little spiel, um, I'm going to lead into about an hour and a half interview uh, with somebody in the collectible card game scene uh, that I listen and follow to their content. Uh, And I had a really enjoyable conversation with them. Um, So to dive deep into this topic, um, uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about collectible card games. Uh, This is one of my Mount Rushmore hobbies that I have had from a very young age and will continue to have, I think, all the way until my very, very Twilight years. Collectible card games, for anyone who doesn't know what that acronym is, CCGs, uh, you know, the traditional ones that you think of are, you know, Pokemon and Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh! Those are kind of the big original three paper uh, card games. Um, And, you know, as the years have gone on, we've moved on to uh, electronic card games, as well as those paper ones are still alive and well. Um, And this is just something that, you know, I I love these games. You know, competition is just something that I've always been very motivated by. And uh, there's few things that are as competitive as a one-on-one. I sit across the table from you or I sit across the computer screen from you. Um, I have my deck, you have your deck. We fight, we see who wins. Um, and we do that over and over and over again. Um, and so really, you know, that... Reading sci fi fantasy, um, you know, football and basketball. Sure, I, I love those things and I love all the Ohio State flavor of those things. Um, and, you know, I've, you know, movies and TV, and we talk about all these things, but I really like card games and reading have always been the two like foundational pillars of what I like to do, how I like to spend uh, my free time, uh, you know, when it's just the time that I have uh, for myself. And you know it's something that I think we'll be we'll be able to do more as a family. And Max already has the uh, the the bug, I think, as far as Pokemon and collecting Pokemon cards, and that's something that um, I enjoy doing with him. And as he gets older, if he's interested in that, uh, great. Uh, we we I started him off with Pokemon Battle Academy uh, for Christmas, and it's the Pokemon trading card game with a couple starter decks, and he seems to enjoy it. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to pass on my addiction, uh, to my son, if it's something he's interested in. Uh, like I said, it started very early for me. The earliest days for me were, was the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, I was, you know, right in that sweet spot, eight, 10, somewhere in there. Um, when the game really launched, uh, you know, it was a cartoon show. There's the Game Boy games, uh, took part in all of that um sixth grade i got busted by one of my teachers i was doing friends uh, vocabulary homework uh, and getting pokemon cards uh, as payoff for that and you know just you know really enjoyed collecting uh the cards you know played some with them a little bit uh, but you know was still really young at that age uh, move on to kind of just a general philosophy point uh junior high so when people, you know, you hear a lot that, oh, what was the best time of your life? Was it college? Was it high school? And I don't really subscribe to that theory. Uh, every day that I wake up and I get to spend time with my family and, and tackle new challenges at work, uh, you know, it was a great day. And, and every phase of my life has had its highs and lows. Uh, but one of the more memorable times of my life, a stretch of time that's really kind of stuck with me over the years, uh, was junior high, um, lived over in the west side of Toledo, and uh, right past Miracle Mile, not too far of a bike ride from my house, uh, was a place called K&A Games and Comics, right on Lasky Road. It has long since uh, uh, folded and, and gone away, uh, but that was the place that many Saturdays I would beg my parents to be able to ride my bike up to the game store, usually right around lunchtime. And stay for the afternoon and just play card games. Um, right around that time is when the first uh, Peter Jackson uh, Lord of the Rings movie, Fellowship of the Ring, came out. And Decipher is a card game company and they released a trading card game. Uh, you know, that was based off Lord of the Rings and it used uh, the, the cards had pictures from uh, the movies. And I just fell in love with the game. Lord of the Rings is, you know, my introduction uh into the fantasy sci-fi genre it's always you know it's you know the most important some of the most important literature that I've ever read as far as framing who I am as a person and and what my interests are um and so I love this game and I would go up every Saturday and birthdays and uh Christmases I would ask for for decks and card packs um I was as competitive as a uh, you know a 13 year old can be uh, I was eventually became the the number one ranked player in the state of Ohio and I there were a couple of players who were ranked even higher nationally who would occasionally stop by and I would I would beat their asses as well um, and really I love playing the game it was um, definitely something that you know I just play my week around I wouldn't fiddle with my cards during the week and and tweak my deck and you know, and again, I'd show up on Saturday, uh, order, you know, we'd probably order a pizza at some point during the day and be there for four or five, six hours just playing cards and and hanging out with other nerds who enjoyed my interest. Uh, you know, that was a time where we had not yet gotten to full Marvel. We were in the early days of Harry Potter. Uh, I'm not saying that I, you know, was like super picked on for this in particular, but I just didn't have a lot of people at school who really seem to enjoy the same things that I did uh, from a hobby perspective you know a lot of the nerdy things that we've talked about Star Wars and Harry Potter and Marvel and and Lord of the Rings and whatnot Um, and so this is a place where there's a bunch of people there who gathered every Saturday uh, and they all like the same thing that I did Um, and it was just a really great way to spend a day um, up at the card shop, uh, you know, trading trading cards with people, talking shit when you're playing them, testing out different decks and whatnot. Um, card games are not particularly cheap as a hobby, um, and I I found this out the hard way. Uh, one of the things that can happen in card games is usually you release so many cards, and then eventually, in order to keep your people buying new cards, you have to either make them stronger and make the older cards, you know, less good, less applicable to play. Um, or you do some kind of rotation where you say you can no longer play the old cards. And so I was chugging along and eventually this happened to me where the deck that I had pooled all my resources into, I had this 180 card deck uh, that had a lot of good cards in it. That I had, uh, you know, scraped together and traded for and then a lot of the deck ended up being banned, and and therefore I was essentially priced out the game. So I learned a harsh lesson about uh, hobbies and card games. Um, in that stretch of time, I still would go to the store here and there, but it started to dip off. Um, at that point, and eventually the game became defunct. Unless you're one of these monster card games, uh, the Pokemon's and the and the Magic the Gatherings uh, card games, you know have. A several years shelf life usually, and then a lot of them go away, and that happens to this game as well. Um, and so I go I go into high school, I go into college, uh, this becomes largely a dormant uh hobby of mine. Um, I'm finally kind of hitting my stride socially, um, and spending more time uh, just hanging out with other people. Uh, but it, it always still was kind of there. Uh, and and one of the things that I would dream of as a kid was like, you know, we had the nascent internet coming. Uh, you know, I still remember the sound of uh, getting into AOL dial-up and uh, and booting up some websites that would show what all the latest decks were and what cards I should be trying again. And I always wanted a way to just be able to sit at my computer at home, not need to know a dozen people that all had the same very narrow interests that I did, And just be able to go on my computer and play at any time of the day uh, with people all around the world. And eventually, this happens. So I go to college, grand school, get engaged to my wonderful wife, get married, find out that we're going to be having our first kid, buy our first house. And it's right around that time, uh, you know, six months later or so after all that happens, where this game comes out, it's called Hearthstone. And Hearthstone is based on the World of Warcraft universe. Um, you know, it's, I have many Holland's friends who fulfill that stereotype where, you know, they spend their weekend nights uh, all gathered around their own computers, uh, grinding away at a World of Warcraft. Um, and so they made a card game based on this universe. And it was exactly what I wanted. it was something that I could play on my own computer uh, and shortly thereafter can play on my phone. Anytime, time, day or night, anybody in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and uh, it's just, it just caught me right away. Uh, it reawakened uh, joy that I had uh, from my younger days. And I was hooked, and I got into the closed beta um, at the end, November, December of 2013. And I've literally been playing every week uh since then um with you know minimal breaks in the game you know when uh it's not that fun to play because the decks that are the best aren't really that fun to play um or play against uh, but it's something again you know when you see me and i've got my phone flipped sideways and i'm dragging my finger across the screen i'm probably playing this card game on my phone uh after the kids go to bed I might hop on my laptop and play some games, um, and it's just really, you know, the hobby that I enjoy uh, the most. Um, so, <laughs> this game, you know, hopefully, will continue to go on for many, many years, um, and I'll and I'll keep playing it, and I'll keep consuming content about it. Uh, and that brings us to our upcoming interview. So, uh, I'm about to interview uh, a guy. Uh, he, you know. As all uh, kind of gaming communities go, most people are kind of known by their gamer tags, their username, uh, and uh, this guy is called Ridiculous Hat, and he makes some amazing content uh, in the Hearthstone community. Uh, he hosts a couple of podcasts about the game, he's on Twitter, he's very friendly, very knowledgeable, uh, and so I asked him if he wanted to come on the show and we spent about an hour and a half talking about the game, going in-depth about the game, uh, you're really going to need to know somewhat of what is going on in Hearthstone to, for this to have any kind of interest for you whatsoever. Uh, but it certainly was something that I enjoyed. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Uh, and next episode, we should have something a little bit more traditional. Uh, Andy and I have a, a post-insurrection uh, episode. Uh, in the in the works uh, that was uh, taped right before or right before inauguration after the insurrection Um, and our and our list of the week is going to be looking back at some of the most memorable moments of the 21st century so far so without further ado here's my interview with a ridiculous hat and we'll talk to you guys later All right everyone so this is the first time that we've ever had a guest on Buckeye Dads Discuss um th- this guy is just everywhere in the Hearthstone scene uh, I know him as the host of the VS Data Reaper podcast uh and frequent guest on the Angry Chicken and by I know him I I listen to his work uh but uh this man uh you could say wears more than one hat ridiculous uh, hat welcome to right. the show how's it going thanks so much for having me on Josh uh, it's going great. Um, right off the bat, I want to say that uh, Zako is the Russian judge, and he needs to bump up his pun grades for you uh, by at least one or two numbers each time he gives his grades out. No, nah, I want to work for him. I want to know that the 10 out of 10 really <laughs> means something. Okay. Uh, Hank, can you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself a little bit? What do you do in the Hearthstone scene, which is Multitude?
1: Gosh, I'm a busybody more than anything else. Um, you know, so many things have tra- have trickled down from tweeting a little too much for multiple <laughs> years. Uh, I host two podcasts, Coin Concede and the Data Reaper podcast. I guest on a third, the uh, the Angry Chicken. I also host a podcast on a different game, Hades, but that's a different story, Um Yes, I have a problem. I'm aware of it. So is my wife. <laughs> uh, I am the commissioner of THL, Team Hearth Legends. It's a team-based league format series where we have four different formats right now uh, that plays on a weekly basis. Uh, I don't know. I do a bunch of stuff. I talk to a bunch of people. Active in, I think, last count was 76 discords, something
0: like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I,
1: uh... I, I'm, I only really talk in like half of those, but that's still a big number.
0: I think I'm in four, so <laughs> yeah and active in maybe two and a half, so uh definitely uh you got it going on then um yeah, so uh, like I said earlier in this podcast, um I have a strong passion for collectible card games, trading card games, uh and just really one of my first loves hobby wise uh so is it similar for you, how did you get into this genre of game
1: so Many, many years ago, uh, my older brothers, this was, I think, like, gosh, this must have been like 93, 94, maybe even a little later. Um, they were into, they, they found out about this new game called Magic the Gathering at the hobby store, mm-hmm. um, you know, and my dad was driving all around town trying to find packs for him. Uh, I think the set at the time was Arabian Nights. It's been a while. Um, so I got into it a little bit later uh, at summer camp where i you know i was 10 years old and was playing a lot of fallen empires and ice age cards and all that um and i just been playing with cards uh really ever since it became more of a of an obsession in high school for me where i qualified from my first pro tour in 2003 um, and lived the amateur grinder lifestyle for a while um it wasn't very healthy, as is a surprise to nobody that has ever <laughs> tried to do anything remotely like it. Um, I, mean, I was able to get there due to, you know, uh, I didn't have a lot of debt. And I, I worked at a, at a card store and lived at home and all the things of the, the hallmark of the typical young man gamer. Um, so eventually I moved past Magic when I got a job that turned into a career uh, working for a large movie theater company. Uh, this was 07 or so. Okay. Um, and so the thing about movie theaters is they operate a lot of nights and weekends. And mm-hmm. magic tournaments are nights and weekends. So I couldn't really play magic anymore, not to mention that magic is very expensive. And now that I had to pay my own living expenses, couldn't really keep up with as much. Um, so I was playing some magic online, but that was a horrible program. And then uh, in the in the mid-2010s, two th- two th- game came out called Hearthstone. And I, I could play it online i could play it on my phone it it came out on the phone like two months after i started playing it and so i sold like two decks on magic online and bought basically every deck in hearthstone at the time um and that was yeah that was 2014 and i've been playing it ever since
0: awesome yeah um i ha- kind of have a similar story where i get into it early and then i take a break and then i come back to it um so for me um I don't know, I'm probably eight or nine or 10 years old, maybe, um, and Pokemon TCG comes out and it's, you know, all the rage. Um, And I'm, you know, very young, uh, never really had the super big collector uh, bug, but uh, we would go to a school that my mom started in the summers to help make supplies. And I would go find the one computer in the building that worked get that aol dial up going and i would just be looking at pokemon decks and trying to figure out what i could make with my collection um and always in the early days loved deck building um and that kind of you know eventually uh, went away and then in I was probably in sixth or seventh grade uh decipher released a lord of the rings trading card game that had maybe a four or five year run uh maybe And Lord of the Rings... I remember reading about that
1: in Scry or Inquest, I think. mm -hmm, Yeah. Yep. Uh, There were a couple cool cards, like a top 10 cards. I remember there was some goblin that cost... Like he made mana when you played him. I forget what it was called. It's... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Goblin Runner. Uh, That was actually the deck that I played. There you go. Um, And and so I played as competitively as, you know, a 13-year-old can play. I was eventually ranked first in the state of Ohio um and you know i don't know where i where i ended up being nationally but legit just going to my local game store and playing whoever came in um and i loved the game you know the artwork was based off the movies the movies were just in the process of coming out um the game had a really cool mechanic basically where their mana system was a twilight pool where the more cards you played as the good guys gave your opponent more mana to play his bad guy cards and you could minimize yours to minimize his. Uh, so it was a really interesting uh, trading card game me- mechanic. Um, as somebody who was in junior high, uh, I was introduced to my first standard rotation. So eventually, two-thirds of my deck ended up getting nerfed and compl- and was on the restricted list and couldn't be played. Uh, and I was basically priced out of the game at that point. Um, yeah. And so I would still come here and there, whatever, but I learned that harsh reality of uh, trading card games. And then it kind of disappears. You know, I dabbled in Harry Potter and Young Jedi and very, very limited magic. Uh, Goes away for high school and college. But and then, you know, I bing, bing, boom. So I ended up, uh, you know, getting married, buying a house, finding out that I was pregnant uh, or my wife was pregnant with our first son uh, all very early on. Um, And, you know, going to a game store for four to eight hours, you know, is not really something that's super easy to do. Uh, and so it was exactly the same boat as you like, there's this card game, and I can play it on my computer, you know, at night after my kids go to bed, I can get some games on my phone during lunch. Uh, and I was just smitten with it right away. And it's such a different experience
1: to sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're playing a, a, a physical card game. You look forward to the weekend when you can go to the store and play all day. With mm-hmm. Hearthstone, when you want to play, you log in and you play one game and it's five minutes. And then theoretically, you can stop playing that. No one ever does. Right. But but if you only have a short amount of time and you want to play now, it's not this long, convoluted process of making sure people are all in the same place at the same time or you have this big block of time. You just play. And it, it's, it was a sea change from what card games felt like.
0: Yeah, I used to like wish for this when i was like an early teenager like i wish there was a way i could just get on my computer and not have to go somewhere not have to even you know not have to know people in the real world who played this game in a you know in a 30 mile radius of me you know to go play or whatever i could play with anybody across the country across the world at any time uh so really it was a game changer for me i'm i was very you know i was on the is this game too simple train at the very beginning you know, you're, you have a, a more in-depth magic history than I do, but, you know, no interrupts, you know, that ever-increasing constant uh, scale of mana. Um, at first, I was like, is this really, you know, going to be something that's going to hold my attention? But I was quickly disabused of that notion.
1: Yeah, there's this tendency as young, intellectually competitive men where we say the most challenging thing must be the best thing. Mm-hmm. And the thing with the most, like the most ways to show my prowess must be the best thing. Magic is more technically complex than Hearthstone, but not more strategically complex. And when I was younger, I said, technical complexity must make it a better game. And now that I'm older, I said, technical simplicity and strategic complexity makes it a better game. It's the, I, it, it loses a lot of the weight in the "I just lost 50 pounds, I feel so much better" way, uh, all the stuff that gets taken away in the Hearthstone format doesn't really matter as much, unless you're looking for edges through the order you play your lands. And I don't, I don't feel a strong need for that to define me as a person that I'm really good at the order <laughs> I play my lands. Um, I just want a game that I can play and not think too much about what I have to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a great. That's a great way to put it. Because again, I so. Um, as I say so I, I play Hearthstone and I'm I'm in it for the long haul and then you start getting these competitors come along right like you know the you know companies had dabbled in an online CCG format you have Magic Online as you mentioned had you know already been up and running uh, but Hearthstone really kind of is that one of those first pillars were like we have stuck the landing and we are the first in class in our genre uh, but then you start getting these other games you know you have Uh, magic ends up putting out arena Um, you have artifact you have legends of runeterra Uh, any have you played any of these games and what do you think of some of the competitors that have come along since hearthstone began so hearthstone is the one that i have come back to
1: and i have taken breaks a few times short ones long ones Uh, it helps that hearthstone now isn't really a game so much as a platform if you log into hearthstone and you play battlegrounds that is a fundamentally different game than core Hearthstone. It's also really fun. And they won the auto battler genre because again, it's, it took all the stuff the other genre players were doing, took it all the extra stuff, all the fiddly extra stuff that the high level pros want. And nobody else wants and made a better game that plays faster. Um, I enjoyed early Gwent. I did like that. I've dabbled in legends of Runeterra terror a few times. I like everything about it, except the core gameplay, which is kind of a problem. <laughs> um, and it's, it's deep and it's strategic but also it gets kind of boring kind of fast and uh, that's happened to me four or five times when i played it um and i liked magic arena but at the time when i played it which admittedly was i think it was a couple years ago now maybe a year and a half ish uh it was cost prohibitive the rotation felt the same way that an in-person rotation felt Uh, it would have been another multiple hundreds of dollars to to buy more decks and the game already felt way more expensive than Hearthstone. So I couldn't justify it at spending more on my secondary game than on my primary game. You know, magics, I, I have respect for magic and it was important for me for, for a long portion of my life, but the extra things that the game does, it feels a little outdated to me in a lot of ways. And I, I don't need something that complex uh, as my main game. I'm looking for things that are more like to the point without that kind of technical requirement
0: yeah i would definitely co-sign a lot of that um i you know came to it just you know i would describe it with this analogy that like hearthstone is my first love and i've tried to find you know every so often i'll be like oh is there a side chick maybe that i might want to go off and spend some time with and i and i dabble and then i'm like eh no like hearthstone is better and then and the, I, you know I, i've always continuously played it uh, but then i'll be like no this is a- the actual game that i really enjoy the most and i throw myself back in it um, yeah
1: and there are, it's the great thing is it's a good time to be a gamer the best competition honestly is not really competition uh, have you played slay the spire i have not played slay the Sl- spire you should play slay the spire it's an amazing game it's single player so it's it's player versus enemy only um, and it's a it's a card game roguelike it's pretty incredible and definitely the the other card game that's come out in the past few years that I've spent the majority of my time on, super worth. it. It's like fifteen or twenty bucks, and I've gotten well over like five hundred hours of entertainment out of it. Oh, wow. Super duper worth it, and it's on Switch now.
0: Love it on Switch. Oh well, I have a, I have an extra. Uh, my son got two versions of Pokemon Shield, so I have a exchange coming due. So might have to, might have to uh, take that one over for my son and uh, and make it be Slay the Spire. Um, yeah, I similarly like i've dabbled maybe three times in rutera i've given it a shot and i just think the thing for me is i think it i i do actually think that the gameplay is technically good it just has none of the magic that hearth when i play hearthstone it's like oh man it's this you know you know i'm not not to say that like you know this is the advantage when you say okay let's have some rng in this game like you have those special moments that you don't get um when you when you lose that RNG and it just doesn't it doesn't look as good it doesn't sound as good it doesn't just um and I feel like I've played this game for so long that the amount of time that just the pausing for actions and reactions and clicking okay I don't have anything and then I've gotten so used to attackers picking where they go that having defenders block just feels slow it just feels like it doesn't like translate very well and, and I, I don't know I, I love the game's mechanics
1: yeah it's runeterra is it's a little bit too much work for me to get not enough enjoyment out of it and it feels like the the pattern of each turn is the same i think for a while then we line up minions and then we press end turn and do that until one player wins and I, while i understand this an extreme reduction the core gameplay mechanic of so much time and energy being focused on the combat step, but only one attacker per one blocker, like just a mm-hmm. straight line. It just gets really samey pretty quickly, even though I respect what they've done with their limited format and the economy is best in class. There are a lot of things to like about the game, but I don't want to play it. So can't really do anything about that.
0: Did you did you ever try Artifact before it went down the tubes?
1: I did. I played it for one day. I was in the closed alpha. Oh, um, Wow. Yep, I played it for one day. I said, this is confusing. I don't know what happened. I can't really tell who won or who lost or why. Uh, And I don't want to play this anymore, even though I can play it as much as I want before anybody else. Um, And then I got to watch that happen with everybody that played it. It, It's (laughs) the, the level of misunderstanding behind the game as to what it was trying to do and what it actually did was just so vast that you, I mean... People have talked about this for hours on end. At this point, it just wasn't—it wasn't a good game, and it was outdated. Even if it was a good game, in how the business model was designed,
0: the business model is just is just a wonder. Like anybody thought that that was gonna, you know, be able to be able to compete in today's you know game economy uh i was, it, it was a great sure... model in
1: 1996 they just put it out in 2017 so like right you can't exactly
0: do that. and it was like and and i'm gonna blame myself here like right? i was like oh okay like there's so much hype in this game or whatever uh you know i was friends with a few people who were in uh closed alpha and they were really ta- they were really talking it up so i spent the money i spent like 60 bucks to get a closed beta key and the the beta was for like a week maybe like it was like three yeah. or four days so i was just like oh no but uh yeah the the rng of the arrows in that game just drove me insane and i played with it for a very short amount of time
1: it was well-intentioned maybe but it's, it, it was purposely ignorant of all the changes in the genre and it was just kind of arrogant how it said the things that have happened organically over the past two decades in card games, we don't think those are the right things to happen. We're going to do it our way. It just doesn't, it, it didn't make sense. And, uh, you know, I mean, we saw the response. It, it was a catastrophic.
0: <laughs> oh, rest in peace, artifact. Effect. All right. So moving on, uh, we're, we're winding down uh, Year of the Phoenix which was just crazy full of, of news and new stuff. Um, so I'm kind of just going to break it down a little bit. We'll talk some of the high points again. None, none of this is going to be super novel, but there's a few things that I want to both get your opinion on. Um, I would say you're you know, you're know definitely in a tier uh, or two above me, probably from like a ladder perspective and a competitive perspective, at least. Um, I, just to give you some background, like again, I've been playing forever um i am a consistent since they put a ranked floor at five with the old system i've been a pretty consistent legend player uh but i've only but again i'm not like again i i squeeze game in games in when i can um and 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 also i'm just not you know the top skill type player so i've finished with 11 stars on standard and wild a handful of times but most of the time i'm just 10 star kind of you know dumpster legend just kind if of you
1: finished with double eleven ever then you are uh 0.1 percent of the player base <laughs> don't, yeah. don't talk down about yourself man
0: well it's just it's so hard like when you swim in the pool of the vs data reaper podcast and twitter when you're following people who are you know number one top 10 legend and all that it's well, kind of hard i to am put. not those things either do not think for a second yep. that I am
1: those things
0: um but so again like i you know i definitely have improved quite a bit in the six years thank goodness you know i, I would hope so uh, that i've been playing um uh and but but really it's it's constructed for me like i have of never latched on to a limited format really ever um in any of the card games i played that includes uh arena mode here um i dabble in battlegrounds i think it's very fun to play uh when i watch battlegrounds uh streamers i look at their end boards and i'm like i don't even know how they got here <laughs> like it's it's crazy there's another level to it um and duels is something that i have not really explored you know that much at all but it's really been it's standard ladder it's it's when i get bored of standard ladder it's wild ladder um and and that's enough for me i mean i really just love playing constructed most of all
1: yeah i generally lean into it uh, arena I think has landed for very few people overall. I mean, it's a it's a it's interesting enough in concept, but it's it, you know it has a really really small user base at this point. It feels pretty outdated, and it was definitely just put in the game as a proof of concept of limited. and They just left it there because it was good enough. Yeah, uh, but it's it's not really much of a thing. Um, so I I tend to drift towards construct as well the the limited formats i've enjoyed were like drafting in person when when it was playing magic but Mm -hmm. you know that hasn't been a thing for a while and definitely isn't a thing right now
0: for sure so um so phase one of this year we had the rank revamp i mean i'm fine i don't have too much to say about it like you know uh, the system i feel like allows you to get to legend if you can get to legend it allows you to get to legend pretty consistently and easily and you know if if that's where you want to be if that's where you're uh your skill level is i think that's a good system you know they added rewards and all that um but that was not really a thing that i was really super pining for um it's it was better for a lot of people and they didn't realize
1: why it was better mm-hmm. um this this mode was blizzard's solution to ladder anxiety and it, it passed the flying colors there were so so many people that they would not queue above rank five rank four in the old system just because they were scared of the feeling like they would get to rank five and just stop um and so this system made the game felt harder but the ranks felt easier so people would just play more when in the old system if they just played more, they would get the same results Mm -hmm. so blizzard obfuscated the the movement through the ranks and then people got higher ranks because of it because they didn't know they weren't able to track their own movement quite as specifically so anxiety was reduced um, it was it was a net positive for a lot of players but it's really hard to explain but I'm glad they did it. I think it's a good system
0: for sure I'll tell my story about ladder ladder anxiety later in the uh later in the episode because it's it's pretty epic um, duplicate protection came uh for everything non-legendaries uh this year uh, this feels directly like okay rune terror is getting a little momentum and they're super generous we need to do something um what do you Uh, we'll come back to the economy discussion because how can you avoid the economy discussion i'm pretty that's a large picture thing but the if you look at duplicate protection and you look at the end
1: of descent of dragons uh galakrond's awakening was released they were testing the mini set that's all this was um that duplicate protection makes a lot more sense with the mini set uh Mm, because you get the you get the new cards inserted in the old packs so if you already have all the old commons and rares if you have duplicate protection boom instant fix Right. Uh, that you just immediately open all of those cards with a small number of packs. And Galakrond's Awakening was designed to test how does a third set meta respond to an infusion of new cards in the middle? And that's exactly what they're doing probably in about two weeks here uh, in this meta. So they were testing it a year ago to see if it would work and it worked out just fine.
0: Yeah, so I want to let's drum down and let's finish that conversation. So mini expansion. So this was the thing when they gave the year of the Phoenix announcement of all the things duels, changing the ladder system, uh, you know achievements all that that I was the most excited for because having played this game for so long, to me, it really feels like you know especially before they started taking a more active role in balance changes that four three expansions with four months in between them is just too long mm-hmm. of a time to go in the same meta. And so I was a proponent of, I was like we either need to have, Four sets a year, which brings its up, you know, own host of problems, or something like this, where now it's like, okay, we're gonna have smaller sets. So this really excites me. Um, I I'm very curious to see how it actually feels once it's launched, what the collection, you know, how it affects people's collection rates and the economy of the game and what it does to the meta. Um, how much are they going to be able to? say okay this the meta right now is this and we need the mini expansion to do this how are they able to do that with how far ahead they plan what's it going to look like um i'm really pretty excited to find out
1: yeah i don't know if they work that closely with the current meta i think the intention is likely to take some more advanced pieces this is just it. it's increasing the size of the set they didn't release a hundred cards and then 35 later they're increasing the size of the set by 35 cards. So they're taking extra cards they normally would not have included at all and ramping them up. And I think they're likely looking to expand on some ideas after uh, players have tested things out, you know, kind of to see, all right, say we have, um, say we have Libram Paladin, if we, if we add another Libram, Mm-hmm. What does it look like later right. if it's more complicated? And they'll have another corrupt card or two that's a little bit more funky to use, I'm sure. Uh, I like. I just like the idea of keeping things fresh. Like you said, four months is a really long time. And the past year, their cadence has kind of been plan a giant balance patch two months in. But you don't always need a balance patch for the sake of balancing. And sometimes just new stuff is cool. So this way they can they can take some cool advanced designs. That would be too confusing if they were in the day one set and just put them two months in and see what it does to the meta. I think that'd be cool. Uh, cool to see.
0: Okay, so my question to you then is, what do you think Team Five does then if they, you know, they divide, you know, they create the whole set, they apportion out what they're going to do for the mini expansion, but the mini expansion has, for example, you know, a super strong evolved mechanic card in a in a deck that's already, you know, ravaging. Uh, the meta right now do you think they you know tone that card down bump that card out and try to put something else in there like what do you think they would do from that perspective
1: I doubt that process is really a lot different from what they would do with current set releases right like if you get to the end of well I guess we look at what happened they got to the end of Skolomance, and then in Manus the Darkman Fair they printed Blade Lady and they printed Relentless Pursuit and they printed Mm Ilganoth they let it happen and then they moved it So I don't think that process would be any different and likely what they would do is probably nerf other stuff before the set comes out, kind of like what they did with well, the past bunch of sets they did that with Madness at the or they did that with uh, at the end of Descent of Dragons they nerfed Rogue Galakrond they nerfed Mm -hmm. uh, DQA um, just to make sure these weren't the things that we were going to be doing the next expansion Um, or no, that was at the end of Ashes but yeah, at the end of expansions, they nerf things for, for archetypes they were going to support in the next expansion. So I imagine that if Evolve is really good and they're going to release new Evolve cards, that means they nerf Box by Knuckles like this week. Yep. Right? It's, they, they hit the card that makes the deck good as opposed to this, the cool support card that they wanted to make.
0: That makes sense. Uh, yeah, and definitely uh, I really like the uh, proposed nerf you guys had as far as dropping the attack down for that weapon. Yeah, one yeah, yeah. in addition to whatever else they do because just the dread corsair swing turns are just like if you could take those away you know i'm willing to say okay if you just have a deck that's aggressive enough uh you know maybe you can get it done uh but just being able to have those swing turns is just in in the face damage like you said it's two extra face damage Yeah,
1: um, there's a ton of face damage there and really aggro was meant to contest shaman and shaman was meant to contest warrior And Rogue probably showed up too late for them to really account for because Rogue dumpsters all the aggro decks. Mm. And that means you have this meta where you have two completely dominant decks with opposite matchup spreads, whereas one beats all the control and mid-range decks and one beats all the aggro decks. And then you you have to hope you queue into the one you're targeting. It's super warped, super Mm. warped meta beyond just the base power level thing.
0: For sure, yeah. Okay, so... I'm very excited for the mid year expansion. We'll see. It. We'll see what it brings. Um, the priest rework. So, I was, you know, doing some prep for this show earlier today, and I actually went back to look at the announcement, and I looked at the cards that they changed to refresh myself or hall or hall of famed, and then the cards that they added. You know, we've had some time now. We're removed from it. What do you think of how you know how successful was the priest rework?
1: Extremely, I think. Um, Priest is not good right now, but after rotation, in Ashes of Outland, after a couple of Demon Hunter nerfs, of course, Priest was playable in a four-set meta for the first time that I can ever remember. Um, I think that it was okay, actually, in Un'Goro, because Mean Streets had just printed uh, Draconid Operative, but... Mm. Otherwise, in four set metas, priest was just bad. And the cards are just a lot better now. You can play Holy Nova with straight face. You can play pain and death, and like they're decent inclusions. Thought Steel was in a tier one deck for a while. They just made the cards cost more. They got rid of the evil priest combo cards uh, because all of those priest cards, I loved combo priest, but those were evil, evil cards. They were just meant (laughs) to kill people in one turn. And people, there, there are the thing about priests that I think is often not really well understood is that it's really popular because you see a lot of priests on the ladder especially at lower MMR brackets even when it's bad because it's usually terrible especially resurrect priests people love to play that deck no matter how good it is and a lot of the people that I talk to in some other discords that are maybe they hover around the gold and platinum ranks they complain about seeing res priests now right now which is it's totally not a deck and hasn't been for a while People love the play style. It has a dedicated core of players, in part because it's been bad, in part because people like control stuff and healing and all that. And the new cards fit that, and they're not that great most of the time. The, the buffed cards are good, but most of the new cards, Scarlet, Subjugator, Psychic Contra, and no one's playing these cards at competitive, but they're not meant to be competitive. Classic is not meant to define the competitive mm. landscape mm-hmm. of standard because if Classic defines the competitive landscape of standard, it never changes which is why Rogue's Classic said is problematic because it's too good. So I think the priestry work was really exceptional. It was really well done because the cards are, they still feel very priesty. The old cards that were really embarrassingly bad were just upgraded. The evil cards went away, and the new cards are not for competitive, but they're still very priesty. Um, and Priest was able to see play for most of this year, which is definitely something that hasn't happened before.
0: I don't disagree with anything that you said. Um, i just wonder again this is a class that i have not played that much of in year of the phoenix so i don't necessarily have the best perspective and you're you're right the cards the, the cards that were hall of famed were such gross offenders you know you've you know people have drawn a bajillion cards of cleric forever people have divine spirit inner fire forever um i vellin mind blast back in the day was one of my favorite things to do um i just worry that the class has become a little too clown fiesta in that there's just so much generation so like the you know the headaches that i remember back in the day like pre-alextraza nerf uh you know when you have like control galakrond priest and highlander mage and everybody's just generating everything and it's like what even are we playing anymore i really those
1: cards are in classic none of those are in classic are they
0: no but i feel like the the hall of fame card specifically took out a deliberate i'm going to win via this strategy that is purposeful i have a game plan and now we're kind of left with i'm just going to be super reactive and kind of we'll just see what happens in this game which again it's personal preference thing. there's nothing wrong with that style people enjoy it i just wonder i i maybe it's just a personal preference thing it feels a little oh to me The
1: perspective of density of random effects is a different conversation than the state of Priest, and they've agreed the density of random effects and perpetual generation is too high. I'm grateful for Priest Galakrond to rotate out, even though it's not seeing a lot of play right now. Um, Control Priest at the moment is, well, it's both mediocre and also not super heavy on the generation. Same with uh, Highlander Priest. You know, it really doesn't make too much you do want to be able to generate some value because in Hearthstone, fatigue actually matters. And being able to make more cards than your opponent has to some extent is necessary. But Thoughtsteal was around before. We were thought stealing before. True, the true. classic rework is, it's not so much, don't think of it as the removal of clear win conditions. Think of it as the correction of uninteractive gameplay because a clear win condition being Mind blasted for 40, that's not good for anybody. <laughs> that's not the kind of clear win condition we want. True. I would love for Priest to have more proactive stuff to do. you know i don't play priest a lot either but that's the thing is if neither of us are playing priest all that much we can't really comment on the state of the class we can talk about the experience of playing against it but that hasn't really changed and my issue with playing against that class is wave of apathy uh Mm. not really much else and wave of apathy is a skull card that should not cost one mana.
0: yeah for sure especially now we have all of these generate one mana uh spell type deals um
1: so i think spellkin is rotating i think I hope
0: so. I think that's right. I think it's uh, I think it's DOD. Card. Yeah, it's DOD. Yep. So
1: that's rotating. So we'll only have one maker. Thank goodness.
0: Yeah. So um, I, and again, I don't have anything particularly against the class. One of my um, all time favorite decks, which we might touch on a little bit later, is like I played Dragon Control Priest, like from when it was in standard and then when it went in the wild, Dragon Operative is one of my favorite cards in the game. I just think it's a really, it's a really cool card um so i don't have anything against the class i am curious to see uh the direction the class moves in going forward um but again it's definitely you know a significant i think writing the classic set for especially some of these classes that have either really good or really bad classic sets is a really good idea you know we've we we know essentially some kind of classic set rework whether it's class specific or the set as a whole is coming at some point um you know, in the next year or so seems pretty likely. Um yeah,
1: it's overdue. The uh the classic set is super outdated. So Priest gave us kind of a look at what a more modern take on it could be. And I think that it's a decent direction to go. And you really don't want classic cards to be class defining in a really major way. So I'm glad they didn't put anything in there that's just like super good. Um, and you know, I I haven't felt a need to craft Natalie Celine, so I'm I'm grateful that it's pretty gentle on my test budget.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So this year, you know, for something that, you know, people have been clamoring for a really long time, you know, we get our first new class, we get Demon Hunter. So I like Demon Hunter quite a bit. Um, I'm not one of those insane people that already has a plan. <laughs> Demon Hunter, like unless you're a professional player? Like, man, that's a lot of games I feel like already, but uh, uh, I, what do you think we learned about, you know, the implementation of a new class, what did you like about it? Uh, Were you okay with, you know, the heavy nerf cadence that was needed to bring uh, a new class in line? Like, I I tend to give Team 5 a pretty long leash. Like, this is the first time we've done it. You know, I feel like even giving them the whole year to be like, we're going to need to nerf this class multiple times over the course of multiple expansions to get the power level right. I'm I'm understanding of that. I think that's a legitimate, you know, need for them. Uh, So just what do you think about Demon Hunter overall?
1: I'm going to start this with a brief, large picture answer that's not about Demon Hunter specifically. I think my perspective on this past year is that Team 5 was well-intentioned, made a ton of effort, and tried to do too much at once. Mm. Um, And a lot of Demon Hunter's initial release feels like it was done in the shadow of making Battlegrounds and getting ready for BlizzCon. And you look at Doom in the Tombs last year, and they had two months without nerfing because it felt like they were distracted with Blizzcon-, BlizzCon stuff and making BGs. So the team got pulled off of that. They didn't see that something was wrong with Standard until they came back. It's like, oh crap, we've only got two weeks left of this, even though Evolve is super broken. Um, and then they look back. Demon Hunter was released in April and the Hero Power wasn't finalized till December. They didn't have the time. It's, it's, that should have been finalized months before that. Mm-hmm. And it's, they didn't have enough time to do it. So I really enjoy playing Demon Hunter. I like the class mechanics. I played a bunch of Demon Hunter when I played WoW. Uh, I think that they did a really, really good job of bringing the feel of the class over into Hearthstone. It was way too good, and it's been way too good too many times, and I think that they may have made a rocky first impression for a lot of people that just hate seeing Demon Hunter now, Uh, and they also have a lot of dedicated players that love playing it, including myself. So the way they've implemented it, the class identity is super clear and super strong, but also the class identity is dealing a bunch of damage and drawing a bunch of cards. And <laughs> that's ha- th- those are the best things to do in yes, any card game. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they need to work on the costing of those things a little bit. Uh, you know, it's, it's the rest of the classes have seven years of balance history. This one has one. They, they way overshot out of the gate. And I know that they needed it to be good. They didn't need it to be that good. They really didn't. If they can figure out something they should have nerfed uh, 24 hours in, they should have not released it in that state. With that being said, they hired Borah Control and Gallon this past year, who are two Grandmasters-level players. Mm -hmm. Uh, I imagine that that balance team will do just fine at figuring out what's going on here in a little bit of a better way. Um, But yeah, I think uh, 5-Manus Skull of Gul'dan has never once made sense to me. Like That card should not have been printed.
0: the current version like why is the mana discount three mana like
1: they nerfed it by a full mana and it's still really strong potentially nerf worthy so yeah i don't know how that ever made it out the door um but i'm glad they made it i'm glad they tried it they learned a lot of lessons um and the most important lesson that i hope they take away from this all is don't try and do too much too fast because they've shipped so many features this year that are kind of cool, but definitely weren't finished before they got shoved out the door.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to jump ahead again just because this really is organic, flows really naturally. So I pose a question in here looking forward to 2021. What do you want this year? We we are slated to get a new mode at some point in the next year, correct? Was that on a map or no? Yep, it's before the next
1: set comes out, we will get a new mode.
0: I can't believe I'm saying this. Even just two years ago, I would have, you know taking me outside and beating me up if I had said this. I really don't think Hearthstone needs a new mode right now. I think it just needs to clean up and consolidate and strengthen the modes that it already has. And then, you know, again, I'm not going to say no. Am I going to try it? Am I going to experiment with it? Of course. But this is the first time I completely agree with you where I feel like there's too many balls in the air and we just need to focus on what we have, clean it up, get it in a better spot and then we can go ahead again i love that they're pushing more and more stuff they're trying new ideas that's all great um but like duels in particular like i have not played i've played maybe three or four runs in total because it's not necessarily my jam but like this is the first time i heard people like you and you know the angry chicken say this doesn't feel like it has the blizzard polish that you come to expect with every other you know facet of the game
1: Yeah, and I mean, Duels is brand new. I actually really like Duels. I think it's great. I don't play it a ton because just the amount of time that I have in client isn't super significant and I focus it more on standard. Um, But I think that Duels is going to be an important thing. Um, It's much more free-to-play friendly and it's not quite limited and it's not quite constructed and you don't have to keep up with the meta and, you know, it's kind of, you get to do silly broken things. It's... It's fun. It's not quite Tavern Brawl. It's not quite arena. It's not quite standard. It's right in the middle. But I was hoping for a bit more support because it's a closed box and they can definitely balance it more if they wanted to, but they've just kind of touched a couple times and left it alone. Um, I'm I you know, I was expecting a little bit more in investment in it, but it seems like it's just gonna be another button in the modes menu. I do think it'll be more popular than Arena, but not a lot more popular. Mm. Um, but it's it's a better mode than people think, uh, a lot of the time, but it hasn't really gotten a ton of support and the initial launch, the initial launch was the BlizzCon demo. We would have been playing that on the floor at BlizzCon and instead they put it out online and let it sit for three weeks and it felt unfinished uh, because it was unfinished. It felt that way because that was, that was straight up a demo that we got to play in the client. So the current version, like it's solid. I enjoyed it. I played a bunch today to clear my weekly quests. Um, But yeah, there's not enough time to do all the things in Hearthstone these days uh, and that's that's definitely a new problem that we've had this year. Uh, I like that it's a new problem. I think that's cool. But they have to worry about fracturing the player base. And really, another game mode on top of this only makes sense if it's uh, meant to tie into something else. So, the the mad scientist theory I have is that the new esports system is being delayed because it is Incline Conquest. If this is Incline Conquest and the new eSports system is being delayed because it's going to play into that, this makes sense. Otherwise I don't think it really makes sense to add more to the game at the moment. So I'm hoping that's what it is, but it might not be, I don't know.
0: That would be amazing. Uh, Continuing on the 2021 trend. So I listened to your most recent episode of Coin Concede uh, earlier today, do some prep for the show and and yes, like the, the thing that I was going to propose as quote unquote tournament mode, because again, this is something the, the experience I wanted to try and capture in this game was, you know, you, you obviously are never going to get the in-person, you know, 12 people. We have a tournament uh, necessarily that same vibe or whatever, but it's just the, I want a small, you know, I'm going to play a finite amount of games. It's going to be a relatively short term thing. There's going to be a, def, you know, a definite result at the end of this event. Where I have a first place and a second place and all that and I'm going to feel like I accomplished something if I won that that's not just I play a bunch of games over the course of the month and you know I end up at x rank in legend or whatnot and you know for most people that that rank doesn't you know it's a, it's a great signifier of how well you did that season but it ultimately doesn't mean a whole lot um but yeah you have these pieces that are already pretty much that they can steal from right you have heroic tavern brawl and duels now you have this 12 win three loss system um you know you really if you can just put a conquest interface you know and eventually uh you know kind of a band screen where you pick four decks and somebody you know bans a deck you eventually end on last hero standing or the, the the single the what was the other mode i'm blanking on right now specialists specialists thank you yeah also, uh, don't do Specialists. specialists don't, yeah, don't do Specialists. But, uh, you know, if they were just to say, like, look, we're going to start out with something, I would take something even more basic. We're going to take Heroic Tavern Brawl, we're going to make it a permanent mode, and we're going to add a three-deck, no-ban, Conquest interface to it, and eventually we will grow that to four decks in a ban or add Last Hero Standing or whatever. That would, that would be a game-changer for me. Like, I would go and I would get to Legend each month, and then i would play this mode you know for the for the rest of the month or whatever i think it would be really interesting i watched so much competitive hearthstone when twitch was when it was still twitch yeah um and i and all i wanted to do was just you know play conquest play the way the pros are playing like have that additional element of strategy and if if they bring that into the game like that would literally be an excellent way to start 2021
1: it's I think it makes sense, especially given the circumstance of the past year, they're probably moving all online anyways. Yeah. Just use the borrow deck screen that you already have, put conquest in the client and leave it there. And that, that can be the gateway to your, to your, the phrase tournament mode, it doesn't mean anything because it means so many different things to different people. Right. Put conquest in the client and have some kind of built in ladder system where, in a certain period of time, you measure my win-loss record in conquest matches and then do a cut at a certain point at the end of the month or end of the period or whatever and invite those people to a tournament. That's it. That's all you have to do. And then it, it reduces a lot of the burden on the admins because mm-hmm. it's all in-client and it lets it's more player-friendly. It just It's a win-win. The only issue, and this is a big issue, is that Hearthstone's client is held together by duct tape at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. They have tried to add so many things onto it it's got a, a, about as much of a legacy code base as anything can have. The client needs some love. But if you're going to add a new game mode, this would be the one that makes sense in the context of what Hearthstone at the high level, at the competitive level needs right now. I don't think it needs more fracturing at the player base at the casual constructed level because between constructed standard, constructed wild, duels, battlegrounds, arena, there's so much to do. There's too much to do. And adding another thing like that on top of it does seem to be a little, I don't know, excessive. Excessive.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move into a topic that set Reddit aflame. <laughs> Big surprise. Um, I'm going I'm to skip over duels we talked about a little bit. I mean, I, we have a tenant on the show, which is if you don't have anything you know, smart to say, you don't know enough about a topic, just don't talk about it at all. And you'll be smarter than, than most people in the room. Um, so I've played a couple runs. I don't really have anything to say. Um, the battle pass, the 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 achievement system, the economy. Um, I go through phases where like I I ha- I'll have Reddit on my phone, and then eventually I just feel this like looming anxiety in the background, and then I realize, oh hey, I just need to delete Reddit, and then it goes away, uh, and I and I feel better. Um, I literally was just like what is like why is everybody really this up in arms about it so you know we've had it's we're about a month and a half now away from launch obviously I'm not going to say that you know community uh response backlash maybe didn't have some percentage of reason why Blizzard decided to change the system and make it slightly more generous or more generous whatever what your perspective is but I just I just don't get what the you know the fuss is about ultimately and like i know i'm probably sitting in a pretty you know privileged position but like you know for the you know for the last you know x amount of years basically i buy both of the bundles for a pre-release and within the first like three to four weeks or so with the gold i accumulate in the system i have a full collection of that set and then i do it all over again and and this goes into The question I have, so to give you some more context on what might be this random question, you know, do you view Hearthstone as a CCG that is electronic or do you view it as a video game that takes the form of a CCG? And I really feel like this colors how people look at the economy of the game. I still look at the game and I know you can't sell your Hearthstone cards, but I'm like, oh, if I can pay $130 three times a year and I have every card that came out that year, that is so cheap and I'm going to do that every time um and i know that but then you have people who play you know everything's free to play and and they don't need to spend money on things that contribute to actual in-game competition and they say oh this is ridiculous so we've had some time to process to cool off to step back where where you at right now with battle pass so the question
1: you ask what i what i think isn't relevant what matters is where did this come from why is there such a divide in perception why was it so exhausting for three weeks what happened right what happened is Mm -hmm. the question and what happened is people wanted an economy rework and they got a progression rework and those Mm. are not the same thing yeah in that we got a minor upgrade to game expense like we got a minor income uh, upgrade we got a major quality of life upgrade the old quest system was really outdated 10 gold for three wins was really outdated yep. uh and we ha- we got more stuff under the system not a lot more but a little more mm-hmm. achievements tons of people are achievement hunting like a surprising amount a lot of my friends are achievement hunting i don't really get it but if they want to summon 200 gray bows they summon 200 gray bows it's not my place <laughs> to judge you, it's, you do what you want to do mm-hmm. but hearthstone is a seven-year-old game And at the time it came out, it was competing with Magic the Gathering, which was an order of magnitude more expensive. And now it's competing with other games that are way cheaper. And they had the opportunity to change it here. And they marketed this very poorly because it was marketed as a change in economy. Mm -hmm. And it was a change in progression. They didn't touch economy. And the conversation shifted on Reddit and wherever to talking about how expensive Hearthstone is a game is. This was not meant to fix that. This was not meant to correct that. This was meant to make it feel better to play, but not make it less expensive to play. Mm-hmm. Now, on top of that, Blizzard had horrible communications. They, they, they messed up. Yep. They didn't communicate the system well. They weren't clear about it. Until the system came out, we didn't have experience values. Uh, their perception of player behavior was wrong. Their initial numbers were bad especially for the higher levels in the system. And -hmm. it was based on events that we were going to get, but didn't know about to get bonus experience. And we should know about that. They also added the mini set to the game, which makes the game more expensive Mm -hmm. and didn't account for it. Or if they did, didn't tell us how. And then they added a tavern pass for the paid level of the perks uh, for the the paid track, except last expansion, they had something called the tavern pass that gave you battlegrounds perks and for arena tickets and they use the same name, but this isn't the same thing, and it costs $20 more and is not included in the big bundle where it's last expansion. It was included, mm-hmm. and they did still include the BG Perks, but they were called the Tavern Pass, and now they're called the BG Perks. It it It's a confusing system on top of confusing and bad communication, on top of some admitted tweaks needed, and a lack of any meaningful adjustment to the economy. The game didn't – it's probably break even in terms of expense with the mini set because we got more stuff. But we're going to have to get 35 more cards, um, but also it was communicated as a bigger change than it was, and people were expecting economy change when they didn't get one. You can't get away with this kind of adjustment without nudging the economy, but if you didn't change the system at all, people are like, well, it's just been this way for a while. It, it, it is what it is. You get grandfathered in goodwill, and when you make changes, you don't get to keep that because mm-hmm. they say, well, mm-hmm. you just changed a bunch of other stuff. Why didn't you change this?
0: True, job? true.
1: So I think it's fine. I have more gold. I have more packs. I have more stuff. I hit level 50 today, then immediately, like, I cleared two weeklies. I'm at level 54 now or something. Um, the post-level 50 progression feels great. It just immediately happens, and then you just have more gold, and you can do it as much as you want, but you don't have to. It's, it's constant progression achievement. Um, you know, the, the first 50 level should feel similarly, I think. But it's clearly a beta unfinished system, and they made a big mistake by encouraging players to look closely at the economy by going into the screen all the time when the old system just tried to be as invisible as possible. Mm, And if you look closely at Hearthstone's economy, it is not a charitable thing that you find because it costs, you know, I I have a similar behavior to you. I buy both pre-orders. That's $360 a year. Now, that's not like an insane amount if you look at a subscription, but I bought Hades for $20 and I've gotten 200 hours of entertainment out of it so far uh that's a better ratio than what i get at hearthstone even though hearthstone is way more global hours into the game i played for half a decade it's when you lay it out very clearly if people are on the edge of enjoying the game it was enough to to push them out and i think they should have probably considered that anyway but it was a very clear moment where uh it was the the straw that broke the camel's back
0: yeah that's a good way to put it and yeah i mean so i i'm pretty close to you I'm at like level 48 right now I think by the end of the week with weeklies and whatnot I'll be at 50. Um, one of the things that I know like Jocelyn in particular was really strong on was like the the scaling up of how much XP you need at the later levels like you said like so after level 50 it's just a constant x amount of experience gets you a level right
1: yeah there's a small bit of scaling um, it starts at at level 50 it's 1350. Then every five levels it goes up twenty five until it hits fifteen hundred and stays there.
0: Okay, so so
1: you know, but roughly the same. Like it, it feels it's very fast, very yes.
0: fast. So again, I think you're you're right. Like the psychology of what players are going to experience. Like again, you you start right at the beginning and you're getting so much stuff right at the beginning, and then sooner or later you hit that lull around. I don't know, maybe twenty five or so, wherever it is, where it's like, okay, now I'm not getting something every day or every other day, potentially depending on how much I'm playing. And then it just really seems like it's much more of a slog. Now, you know, I'm going to play the same as what I'm going to play. And I'm already pretty close to the top. We have quite a bit of ways to go, uh, you know, until the battle plant, the battle pass resets and whatnot. Um, But for sure, I mean, you know, not everybody's buying, you know, one or both of the of the bundles and people are trying to play the game free to play. So, I mean, I guess this is the, you know, you start out as the market leader and you appear more generous than you know physical magic or physical card games and i guess i i still haven't because i consider those type of games so intrinsic to you know what i enjoy it as you know i consider myself a cg ccg player it still feels six or seven years later like it's really you know not that bad um but you're right they've introduced there's been so many new competitors so many new games where you don't have to pay that amount of money that i guess you know And I I really do feel like uh, they need to do, I would totally be fine with them doing a whole lot more to help new or pretty new players, you know, get their collection. You know, I don't want to make a, you know, I'll spare you the politics, but we've talked previously on our show. Like if you were suddenly to forgive a bunch of people student student loans, like I never had student loans, but I'm not going to be like, well, I, I didn't have any. So, you know, screw the people down the line. Why shouldn't they have to, uh why shouldn't they have to struggle like like i did or whatever um yeah the rising tide lifts all boats right so the goal is
1: to get more people playing hearthstone that's what i want and realistically things are good for hearthstone the game is growing there are more games being played right now the additional game modes and battlegrounds is incredible what they've done with bgs they've captured lightning in a bottle a second time which one game studio should never expect (laughs) to do um Bee Gees has won the Autobattler genre the way that Hearthstone won the digital CCG market, and the reason the other competitors don't cost as much is because they're targeting Hearthstone. They're trying to be right. less expensive than Hearthstone. Runeterra is a lost leader because it's super polished, and they're putting out a bunch of stuff for free because they want to take market share from Hearthstone, and they want it to be less expensive to do so. The second they become the right. number one game in the market, they're not going to be cheap anymore. but right they don't have the player base because Hearthstone is still the best one. And Hearthstone does not need to change anything. But if they do, they could get some goodwill back. And I think that they are probably due for that. Um, At the same time, despite the kerfluffle, I doubt they've really struggled much in terms of profits. It was all social stuff, Mm -hmm. but the game counts are up. The game is doing just fine.
0: Yeah. It's the, you know, the loud minority, you know, that's, you know, raised a rather large ruckus uh, on they aren't necessarily risk, you know, um, some uh, symbolic of the whole player base, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the game has become more generous when you compare in the early days, as far as duplicate protection and rank rewards and uh, the new decks for new players or returning players. Uh, I would definitely still like to, as you said, you know, the more people we can get in the game, the better, you know, you have an achievement system now that measures the progress of your collection, So if you want to say like, okay, like let's use that as a, as a measure, we'll only consider standard sets. And if you're pretty low on the, your standard collection, like let's, you know, every week or every month, you know, give you, you know, some dust or, or, you know, a chance to get a legendary or something like that. Like I would be totally be fine with, with measures like that. And I think it's a win-win because I think if you can give people a small taste, and say oh i got this extra legendary now maybe i can build another another deck or whatever and i just need a couple more cards for that last epic that i need i think that's going to get people more invested in the game spending more money um so by all means i mean i think they have taken a step in the right direction shot themselves in the foot with the scrutiny they drew to the battle pass and the the economy of the game uh but i really don't think i think they can buy that back with some you know some strong changes uh, about the game's basic economy i'm not saying you know that we have to go from it takes four epics to two epics to make a legendary and all that or whatnot um you know or you know reducing the dust system but something i think they can do to to make the game a little better
1: yeah nudging the dust system i think is kind of their lowest hanging fruit they can easily just make disenchanting a legendary gets you 800 dust and disenchanting an epic gets you 200 and they immediately make the game more accessible to players that are uh in more vulnerable uh economic positions uh you know taking two legendaries and gluing them together to make one is a lot less uh punitive than cutting up four of them right so that seems to be it would be a pretty straightforward opportunity if they wanted to do that i think they're if i were in charge my goal uh would be to slightly decrease the number of eighty dollar pre-orders and dramatically increase the number of forty dollar pre-orders um Mm -hmm. i want to make that forty dollar pre-order as good of a value as i can so i convert people that are currently not spending um, and if that means I cannibalize a few $80 sales, then so be it. I want as many people buying just the $40 one as possible. Uh, and I want that to be the value sweet spot. And then the super Wills will buy both anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, remember Witchwood, right? Like that was the one where you $50 for 70 packs. I think it was or whatever. Something now granted like you've that. added in these, um, you know, the free legendaries and, and things like that or whatnot, but when it was like, okay, we're going better than a dollar per pack ratio wise, I feel like that that bundle you know engendered the most goodwill amongst the community because it was like hey this is a legitimate really good deal and i'm gonna buy it so if they did something like that if they want to do 40 bucks for 60 packs or something like that and and a you know free legendary and all that by all means go for it
1: yeah just get people that are on the fence especially the people that currently have no spend if you can get them to buy just the 40 dollar, then that's definitely worth it
0: for sure okay i mean this has literally been uh, you know this this topic consumed about a whole month month's worth of the internet in uh and podcasts and whatnot so we can we can move on um i again i don't i'm not super up in arms about it ultimately for me if i can end up in the same spot or a better spot as i did before the battle pass from a collection perspective i'm just going to continue buying both bundles and it is what it is so Yep, that's my current
1: plan. It's, uh, I want the system to get to the point where I don't have to care about it because that's uh, kind of where I wanted to be the whole time.
0: Right, exactly. So, so when you speak of uh, disenchanting Legendaries, it reminds me, so like when I started playing this game, like again, I had never been a collector in any of my previous uh, card games. So I really had no intention at the beginning to go after a full classic set. And then like several months in at least, or maybe even a little longer, I was like, no, like I have a real job. Like I can go ahead and, 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 and try and chase us or whatever but i made so many bad decisions in the early de- in the early days i loved alex straza as a card and in order to get her to put in like a control warrior deck i shredded my five mana sylvanas as part of the like dust accumulation i needed and then eventually realizing that oh my god five mana sylvanas at, at that time was one of the one of the best cards in the game so uh we all make bad decisions in life that's the moral of that story
1: yeah, and the to new players, the dust economy is kind of needlessly punishing because you don't know what you're supposed to keep and it's supposed to get rid of. So, just making it so those numbers aren't quite as extreme, so people don't have to get rid of quite as many cards, is uh, it's definitely something that they have an opportunity to adjust if they want to make the game a little more. I would I would call it more generous, but it's really like less expensive.
0: Yes. Yeah, the, yeah. Yes, let's not a uh, let's not uh, stand for big business in 2021. Like we could say yeah. less ex- we could say less expensive. Yeah, it's
1: not that I'm giving you more, it's that I'm making you spend less.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, let's move into the lightning round. So again, we don't have to delve like super deep in any of these topics, but um I'm going to modify the first question I have here for you. So I know you've already given your favorite classes uh in some previous podcasts or we talked about favorite decks excuse me um what are some of your most memorable i'm a boss moments so like whether it's a ranked uh you know finish or just something that you did in the game that was like i you know that was a great what are some moments where you were just like man man i'm really good at this game so i don't have those moments too often because i don't think i am that great at the game (laughs) um
1: but you know, there have been... The first few times I hit Legend was uh, pretty exciting. Um, you know, like the first time in particular, uh, I I got a Rage ad afterwards. Um, but it, this was back in the day <laughs> of 2-mana Innervate. So it was uh, turn 1, 2-mana oh. 3-2, Knife Juggler, and then double Living Roots for Tokens. And then I Savage and 1 on turn 3, I think. <laughs> um, it was pretty insane. I won that game. Um, and and yeah, first time to Legend. Um gosh it's so hard to like think about all the different memories and moments put together there's not like one game or one play where i'm like this was really amazing i did the coolest thing um but there have been a few times where i look back and like that was a heads-up play i thought about what my opponent was gonna do and then i did something better (laughs) like recently that i was playing pure paladin against an etc warrior Mm -hmm. um and they were they had 10 cards left in their deck so i stopped playing minions um And because for their combat to work, they have to attack into something. They didn't have Rattlegore in the deck. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was early on in this expansion. So I just stopped playing minions. I hit them with my pure Paladin hammer, the hammer, the Naur, the 3-3, got them pretty low. Eventually they had to go off and hit my, I had a 2-2 in play um, and they had to go off and hit that and put me to six life. And I had saved a risky skipper um, because I'd used both my Liberums of Justice to bait them to go off. I I had saved a risky skipper and, or no, I used both my Consecrations. Uh, so I go skipper or a more Justice, clear their board and then play something they conceded, so I enjoyed that.
0: <laughs> very nice, yeah, um I right before a soul demon hunter uh got nerfed, I was like very late, I was working to get in the legend. I was in rake one, and I queued into a priest, and this is not a particularly uh, moment of skill, but it's a moment of will. So I queued into a priest, no big deal. And you know, I, I I play my turn one, hit the button, and you know, the timer's going, the timer's going, he ropes or whatever. Like, okay, like I just figure he stepped away from his computer or whatnot. Right before the rope goes, he he hits the end turn button and he roped every single turn. Ugh. So then I was like, okay, like my kids are in bed, my wife's in bed. I right i gave him two turns in a row he did two turns in a row and then i roped him back every single turn and the game i you know i was running running deck tracker or whatever the game ended up being 45 minutes i saved kane for the end plays a mass resurrection brings back a bunch of taunts i have enough burn at the very end of the game to go and i didn't even get a rage at it afterwards which i like i kind of thought was was where this was going um But yeah, literally just 45 minutes of like, and I would, I would have a turn or two where I would like, I would finish my turn and I would hit the button, but I'm just so used to it. Like I never do this to anybody, but I was just like, all right, man, like I don't have anything going on for the rest of the night. Let's do this. So
1: yeah, um, let's hang out. I'll get my star.
0: Right. Exactly. So my biggest, So one of the most impressive things that I've ever done in Hearthstone, remember we used to get those emails that were like, here's your month in Hearthstone. Yes. And I had not yet hit legend and I really thought I was going to hit legend this month. This was the, uh, taunt druid token druid meta. Mm-hmm. Um, I won, I started at rank five. I won 22 games in a row that season. And I nice. did not, and I did not hit legend. Wow. <laughs> so, like I got to the final boss. Uh, like, I got to the final boss lost bounced around for a bit and then, vs would say okay look todd druid is favored against token druid but for whatever reason i could not get the matchup in my head it just didn't work for me and eventually i ended up spiraling down to like three or four and i just i gave up that season i was just completely emotionally drained and then very next month i switch over odd road odd road becomes a thing um and zelay had a deck floating out there and I ended up going on a bit of a losing streak and I'm at rank two, one star. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to play one more game. And if I lose it, I'm done. Going to be over. I ended up winning 10 games in a row, make it to legend for the first time. And uh, that was, nice. uh, that was uh, almost like woke the kids up with a triumphant yell that I gave. Wow. Um, well done. But yeah, I mean, so again, once, you know, once you get there, like, it's still something that like, you know, it's, it's it can be pretty easy once you get to legend the first time in the new system to keep getting back there or whatever, but it's still every time I, I beat that final boss and I get into legend still definitely something I enjoy. And uh, man, it keeps me coming back all the time. Um, okay. Le- on a more lighthearted note, worse, like either decks that you hate, just you hate, you've hated playing against over the course of Hearthstone. And let's talk about hero portraits. Like, what's bottom tier hero portrait for you? Uh,
1: the deck that I that I like playing against the least would probably be Rostgun's Rumble Era Wall Priest. Um, oh, really yeah. did not enjoy that one where they just taunt, 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 bring back a bunch of taunts, bring back a bunch of taunts, eventually just uh, combo and kill one of them. Combo and kill you. Um, worst hero portrait. I am an equal opportunity hero portrait employer. I don't really hate on any hero portrait that I can think of. Um. You know the the one k, Rexar looks a little goofy. It looks a little silly. The one thousand win uh, hunter. Um, mm-hmm. but I can't think of any hero portrait that like I really dislike. There are too many shaman ones to keep track of.
0: Um, yeah, I I, I so I only have warrior and rogue in platinum thousand Winds, and. It makes me so sad because like, I want to use those hero portraits and I do use them. But the Garrosh one... Like, it's gold, pretty ugly. Gold it's Garrosh ugly. looks so good. You can still and, use him. and But but Platinum one looks so bad I'm just like, oh man, I just want to... I guess i got to switch back to gold even though I, I have a thousand wins with this guy.
1: Yeah, I just and, use Magni. And I still use Pirate Valera 100%. 100%. 100%. Show
0: I, off the swords. I agree with you. There's nothing wrong with Pirate Valera... Uh, she is she is totally a fine hero portrait. Her, so, um, yeah, I it's it's so funny because rogue was actually the class that I that it was the last class like that, that I made gold. I just never again in the early days. I'm still learning the game. I just never took to you know five mana gadgets and you know just miracle rogue. Just you know insane crazy kill you um and it wasn't really until really late like in the odd rogue and when it started to be a more tempo aggro type deck just you know just kill you type deal um so again it's the last class that i get gold but it's the second class that i make platinum so i've got a i've got a few in the wings that are getting pretty close but um and the secret
1: is that old school miracle rogue was that way the whole time it was always really aggressive and that's the thing that i learned about rogue because i learned about it in the uh I think it was right before Gadget Sand came out, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it was earlier than that, maybe it was Un'Goro, but Rogue is, it looks like this crazy combo deck where your goal is to get down Gadget and draw a bunch of cards. No, just hit him in the face. All you want to do is hit him yep. in the face. Spend your cards and hit him, and it's been that way the whole time, but when people first see it, it's playing against it, and they see the gadget turns and that's what they remember, yep. but no, play a 1-1 one, one and dagger on two and hit them. That's all, yes. that's all the class has ever been, and it's really, really good at it.
0: Yes, um, so Going right along with that, this is not in the outline. How will you feel when Edwin gets Hall of Fame, which I can't imagine he's going to escape another time? What do you think?
1: It's overdue. Please. It's, speaking of someone with well over 2,000 Rogue wins, speaking as someone that Rogue is easily my favorite class, give us something else to do. Edwin's a scam lord. Get him out of the game. It, <laughs> it's not healthy. It's not um, healthy. Get him out.
0: Yeah, I am I'm. I think I'm going to miss him. Um, Just you know it's when I first started playing the game um my buddy was like oh you need to try this game and I didn't realize that like you didn't get all like I didn't realize which cards were classic and which ones you had to earn versus which ones you just got as basic cards and I thought that you like got a chance to start with Edwin in the game and I opened it up I'm like oh I don't have any Edwin but uh yeah I mean how many times get like I I think it's been what like almost all of the world championship lineups have had Edwin in their decks or whatever like all of them
1: except for lion she is the only one that did not bring rogue every other champion has had edwin and uh and backstab um and i still want rogue to feel roguey but it does not need edwin to feel roguey uh that it's if you just take out shadow step then he might be okay but don't risk it just give us something else to do he's gotta go
0: yeah i feel like he's uh he's dodged it for long enough i feel like you know, especially like right now, like, we, you know, we have a Evolve Shaman, but you have Rogue doing just as well right now. And you just see those screenshots of, you know, turn one, turn two, 10, 10, 12, 12, yeah. 14, 14, that win. you know, it's it's time.
1: It's time. Yes, it's, it's been time. They just, they didn't fill out, figure out something else to do. And Rogue is a class where the pieces are more interconnected than any other. If you pull out one or two pieces, the entire classic set kind of falls apart. So it's dangerous, especially because... Well, a lot of the a lot of the designers are rogue players. A lot of the mm-hmm. high level players in the game's history have really enjoyed rogue. It's a it's a really fun playstyle. I love it. But it, Edwin's he's gotta go. He's, he's
0: gotta, gotta go, go for sure. Um, if you could pick a card, and again, I won't put you on the spot to say like this is the one. But if there were some cards that have been nerfed or or been hall of fame, is there any nerf that you like really want to revert? Flame tongue totem yes that's a good one yep i was gonna say
1: equality but equality should really be three mana um but flame tongue totem uh like shaman needs something to do in the classic set flame tongue totem's a fun card uh and we have better board control tools now like flame tongue totem in a world where rush exists is a lot safer put it back to two mana; it'll be fine i promise
0: yeah this is so the the only nerf that like really made me mad when it happened which again, I'm not saying they should revert this now, but when Blade Fury was was nerfed to four mana and not hitting face, it I was, was just a lot really up, like, but did you need to do both of those
1: things? Was yes, kind of what they I did. <laughs> it's, wh- now that prep is only reduced by two, they could put that card at three. You don't ever want Blade Flurry to be good because Blade flurry is it's, it's a undercosted flame strike from a, from a deck that doesn't have <laughs> wide removal and normally just can't do that. You don't want that effect to be good because anytime you see Blade Flurry in a deck, it means this is a deck that's already really good at aggro and really good at single target removal and really good at burn from hand. It doesn't also need a global (laughs) board clear that is still burn. It doesn't need that. So yes, it's two mana was wrong. Four mana no face might've been a little excessive. Three mana no face might've been okay, but they didn't touch prep at the time. So yes, they needed to hit it 100%.
0: That's fair. I just remember being really mad about that one for some reason. Um, it I... seemed
1: like a lot, but it's an unhealthy effect.
0: Yes, and then eventually, you know, we get King'sbane. Shortly thereafter, um, so you know whatever meta that would have been. Uh, I think I think yeah. that's the correct order. Um, so for even sure, even like
1: Hook Scimitar, just a Hook Scimitar, a Waggle Pick. These would have been disgusting if you just get a four mana Flame Strike your opponent and Dome Face for four. Like that's it's too much. <laughs>
0: you're not wrong you're definitely not wrong um i miss one mana mana worm i'm definitely not saying yes. it should be
1: reverted it should have been a one two if they made it a one two it would have been a lot healthier but they couldn't print that card and ray of frost but they shouldn't have printed ray of frost ray of frost is crazy
0: ray of ray frost is crazy yeah it's um, way too good and then my first favorite deck ever i don't even know if it would matter at this point anymore but my first favorite deck ever again just purely classic we don't have next yet Is just what i'm going to call good cards, Mage which Mm -hmm. ended with on turn eight throw a pyroblast at their face and then if you need to do it again on turn nine (laughs) let's do it again uh that that Uh. animation and that flavor text that was like one of the things that was like man i love this game and i love this card i just want to do 10 damage right to the face
1: eight mana pyroblast glad they took that one out
0: that was oh man i nothing because again you you just knew back in the day it was like okay they're trying to get you down to 10 do they have it you know you do the fake like drag over and then oh man those were fun that was fun um all right what were they thinking so most obvious uh you know you see a card revealed before it comes out what were they thinking this is definitely going to get nerfed um i'm going to exclude all of the demon hunter cards like let's not get in to that, but did, like, do you have any examples of things that you just saw and you were like, "There is no way in the world this isn't going to get nerfed in the first X months of the, of release"?
1: The recruit mechanic, the entire recruit mechanic. I yeah. was at BlizzCon when it was revealed. They put the first card on screen. I was sitting in between Appa and, at the time, he was not a designer, uh, between Appa and Alec Dawson. Okay. I was sitting right between the two of them, and the first recruit card came up, and I said, "You can't do that." You can't do that, <laughs> because in Magic, there's a card called Tinker. It's a three-mana card. You sacrifice an artifact. You go and get one from your deck, and you put it into play. And it is incredibly broken, because it's a tutor where you search for a card, and it also cheats the mana for it and, and plays it immediately. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. It's not something you want in your game. And mm-hmm. then they made it a set mechanic. And I was like, "That's don't do this. It's a bad <laughs> idea. Uh, and I don't know all of those cards were either nerfed or busted or grizzled guardian
0: right those are yeah. three categories yeah. yeah yeah fair i mean the things that like jumped out to me is just it's most most of the time it's just been the like neutral pile of stats cards like you see giggling inventor or corridor creeper yeah. or faceless corruptor and you're just like there's there's just too much to this card like you could take some of it away and it yeah. would be perfectly fine
1: a lot of people whiffed on Corridor Creeper just because it was the, like a card dump at the end of the set. Like when I saw it in play, I was like, oh, they, that's <laughs> <laughs> right. But but the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it seems pretty good. But I, I didn't really have an idea for how it played out. Um, there have been a few cards that you look at them and you say, this seems like it's not quite right. Um, but definitely, definitely recruit was the thing that yeah. I had the clearest memory of before I had played with it a single time. I said, this is a bad idea
0: yeah oh man remember called the call to arms days
1: (laughs) yes i do The card was stupid i got i was uh i was on a trip in the dominican republic and my wife had gone to sleep and i got legend with even paladin by just slamming call to arms on the coin turn three pull out Amani berserkers and whatever
0: yeah crazy all right we're we're winding down rank these and, and, and if one of them is not particularly relevant to you, then just, you know, buy them or N.A. or whatever. All right. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Marvel, DC, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones.
1: I don't have a strong attachment to any of these. Really? Really. Yes, I know. So as a, as a younger man, I was big into Star Trek, Star Wars. Um, okay. L- love Batman. Batman's great. Big fan of Batman. Um, though some of the batman movies have been touch and go i mean mm-hmm. my my batman is kevin conroy he's my batman okay. um you know because the animated series is is the best batman um sure. but none of these are a major like part of my life for the media i consume uh game of thrones i've seen a few of them
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: i've read the first book it's fine um harry potter like i, res- I respect the series uh you know jk now is a different
0: yeah, oh yeah different situation <laughs>
1: uh but like the movies are decent um you know I, I enjoy the marvel movies i like iron man i like the avengers mm-hmm. um most of the dc movies are dog shit uh the lord of the rings movies are really good hobbit was eh. yeah. uh, i still haven't seen last jedi or rise of the skywalker um like i don't know it's, it's the star wars fans exhaust me like they just they're they tire me out
0: that's a completely understandable criticism yeah um the last thing i the last thing i have for you so uh does the movie theater job go with a love of movies and what are just the movies in your life that you've rewatched the most so the movie theater job i like
1: the movies that i love i love mm-hmm. and when i watch a movie if it catches me it you know i'm i'm in and i will talk about it for a while. Um, But I didn't get the job because of the love of movies, and I still don't see movies much in the theaters or much at all. And Mm -hmm. I don't watch a lot of movies at home. I watch a lot of YouTube, like a surprising amount of YouTube. That um, and we're cord cutters. I don't have cable in the house. I do have, you know, I have an antenna. So if I can, I can catch football in the Oscars. That's really all I use the the basic antenna for. Um, But also, I don't watch college football. So if you watch, you know, you went to OSU, you watch college football. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not. I grew up in the Northeast. We don't really do college football there. It's definitely like a Midwest and South and West everywhere except the northeast in the country. A hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I grew up in like college football, I don't understand. But yeah, uh my best friend is uh, is a buckeye and uh and and my <laughs> uncle's family uh is blue, so you know. Oh no. It's best friend's a buckeye. It's, <laughs> there you go. All right. Um but I can appreciate movies, and I get to experience kind of like – I get to have a tangential experience to a lot of movies, and, and I can see which ones excite people. I can see which ones draw people in, and I get to watch them if I want to watch them. Mm-hmm. So like Mad Max Fury Road, the week that came out, I watched it three times in theaters. Awesome. Um the first day I watched it, because I, I was like, I heard it was really good. And the first day I watched it, I didn't really understand it. And then I went home and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I went back two days later and I watched it again. I was like, I loved it. Amazing. And I mm-hmm. watched it again later that week. Um, and then, uh, let's see, movies I've rewatched the most. So when I rewatch a movie, it's usually because it's low stress. There are two axes of movies. Mm-hmm. There's rewatchable and respectable and so, yes. like, my highest-tier respect movie is There Will Be Blood. Amazing, incredible film. I, one of my favorite movies ever. I have seen it twice in my entire life, mm-hmm. two times period. I watched it, I re-watched it once a decade. It's so intense. It's so heavy. Same with, like, No Country for Old Men. 2007 was a really depressing year for movies, but a really good year for movies. Um, but those aren't the kind of movies you're like, you know, it's a Sunday afternoon. You're sitting on the couch like, you know, I'm really feeling There Will Be Blood right now. No.
0: <laughs> That's, right.
1: You're in a mood for it. So, Super Troopers i've okay. seen super You're troopers there. i can quote the entire movie forward and backwards <laughs> uh the hangover i've watched a lot the departed and the dark knight are the two movies where sometimes i'll have the idea of i just want to see the opening scene and mm-hmm. then i watch the movie because there you, you can't watch the opening scene of either of those movies and then close it like right, i have sure. to watch it um same with like tron legacy of all things which is it's i don't even think it's that great of a movie <laughs> but i like the soundtrack and then i watch the intro i'm like i just kind of thumb through it and there are a lot of movies like that where i just kind of flip through it but right. the movie that i had in my name tag before mad max fury road came out which is it says your favorite movie i said what's right at the middle of the respect and rewatch axis and so i put catch me if you can okay really great movie um it's fun but it's got some depth and and john williams is amazing
0: John Williams is amazing for sure. Um, yeah, I generally tend to air more on the uh, the rewatchable spectrum. I mean, I certainly I have a much narrower spectrum of movies that I enjoy versus my wife. My wife will watch everything, you know, all the Oscar stuff and every and yeah. all of the you know just Fast and the Furious, you know, just schlock uh, and everything in between. Um, like I, we watched Parasite. We watched a couple of the of the Best Picture movies.
1: Yeah, Parasite uh, was messed up parasite
0: blew my mind um um, pretty incredibly made
1: movie but i did not see where that movie was going at all a bunch of times like just the twist just kept coming towards the end i was like no way this happens and it didn't something even worse happened yes it's like it's yeah nuts
0: um but i generally tend to err on you know the side of uh you know just the movies that i can quote and just you know breakfast club and and Mm -hmm. uh, ferris bueller's day off and And you know, uh, wedding crashers, and there's just a lot of just you know, those comedies or those just kind of mind numbing, you know, action movies where you can just like watch stuff blow up and and have a good time. So,
1: yeah, I enjoy a good like James Bond movie, big fan of James Bond.
0: Yes, I can't wait for uh, the next movie to come out in whatever platform it's going to come out to be determined. Lord knows, yeah. All right, man. Well, this is going to take us pretty much to the end of the show. I just want to say, uh, Thank you so much for the generous donation of your time. And uh, really, man, just love the stuff that you do. Uh, the Vicious Syndicate uh, meta report that comes out, data report that comes out every Thursday. Like I have a routine on Thursday. I go f- sit somewhere during lunch and I read through the report right at noon when it comes out. Uh, it's one of my favorite pieces of content. And then you guys are like, oh, we're going to do a supplemental podcast. Then, you know, I'm I'm cleaning the house. Uh, you know, the children are napping on, on the weekends, and I and I fire that guy up. Um, I really just love, you know, the perspective you guys have, you guys have the data behind it. Um, it's really just awesome. And again, like all of your content, I mean, I, I I'm not going to claim to be a, a religious listener to Coin Concede, uh, just because it wasn't in my queue, I kind of tack was my, you know, I started listening to tack way early on in its origins. And, uh, you know, it was kind of my news of the week show. And, and then I listened to Coin earlier today and I was like, man, this is really good too. So I'm going to have to add it to the list. But uh, you're just all over the place, man. And I really appreciate all you do for the Hearthstone community. Uh, you're great.
1: Hey, thanks for the kind words. I'm uh, glad, to, glad to be in the show. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. And, uh, you know, it's, Zach has all the data. And so I just the the fun of the show is it's not like I have a dashboard open where I can see all the things he sees. Right. I get to find out just a day earlier than everybody else. <laughs> and so it's like I get my own personal data reaper report and then I'm then I have to edit it and give it to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been great just kind of making those sorts of connections and being able to talk to so many people in the community. It's what it what makes the game special.
0: For sure. All right. Well, this is gonna wrap us up. This has been another episode of Buckeye Dad's Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at buckeyedadsdiscuss at gmail dot com.